everybody. Wow, we are back. Hello from the John Reiner podcast. It has been so long. How long, you ask? I believe the last episode we did together was in July of 2021, if I'm not mistaken, July or August of 2021. It is now February of 2022. That is, well, let's be honest, that is unacceptable. And I am sorry. Uh, It has been a while and um, there are many reasons for it. There are. And all of those reasons lead to this phrase, it is what it is. <laughs> it all just leads to me saying in this large microphone, um, it is what it is. It is what it is. This last fall was was really rough. Before I get to that, um, how many of you have heard more and more people use this phrase, it is what it is? I've heard a lot of people use it over the last couple of years, a lot of people. And I think a lot of people, uh, use it for different reasons. Um, this last fall, uh, was difficult. (laughs) It was, it was difficult after, uh, about a year and a half of avoiding this, uh, COVID virus. Uh, it finally hit close to home. Um, my wife and I, both had it. We had it, um, I'll be honest, we had it pretty rough. I mean, we were at home for about the entire month of October. Um, in August, a couple months before that, um, another family member uh, had COVID, ended up being hospitalized. Then after my wife and I um, went through our month of COVID, um, we had another family member get hospitalized. Um, and in that process, we had a loved one pass away not from COVID, um, but passed away nonetheless. Um, and there was a whole lot of life going on. There was just a whole lot of things that were happening and spinning and building and compiling all one on top of another. And it was something else. It was something else. Um, and it led me to this phrase, Because like I said, I've heard more and more people using this phrase, it is what it is. I mean, it's been around for a long time. Let's not not kid ourselves. It's been around for a while. Um, But I just heard more and more people, I think, using it uh, in the last couple of years. And for some people, um, it's being used as a way of kind of just being defeated. You know what I mean? It's like this, it's this anthem of... Um, defeatism, nihilism, this, um, it is what it is and there's nothing we can do about it. It it is what it is and there's no turning back. It is what it is. Um, and, uh, you can't change it. So it just, it just is what it is and nothing else matters. You know, uh, uh, I heard that a lot. Maybe you have, maybe that's how you've used it. I don't know. It is what it is. Um, but I've actually adopted it more or less as, um, yeah, as kind of an anthem, maybe not an anthem, more of a, a mantra, um, a little bit of a mantra happening with it is what it is. And, and what I mean by that is this: I have found that by using that phrase, it is what it is, um, there has been some freedom 
that's happened in my life. There's been freedom um, because it draws me by using the phrase, it is what it is. I feel like I'm being drawn into this present moment. I'm being drawn into the here. I'm being pulled into the now. I am being forced to stop and look at things just as they are. And that can be a terrifying process. That can be a terrifying reality check to just look at things just as they are. This is what it is. I'm not looking at this situation um, wishing it were different. Uh, I'm not looking at this the situation claiming that it is different. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. We can wish that things could change, but it's when we look at a situation and almost claim that it's different. We look at our situation and we are in denial of what it is. We look at our situation and we refuse to accept um, some of the reality of it. Um, and we, we are no longer able to just be present in this moment because we are either in the past with the way that we thought things uh, should have been, the plans, the things, the ideas, the, 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 the dream that we had in our head for where we would be or how something would be right now that, that we formulated in the past and in our present moment, it doesn't really match up with what we thought it would be back then. And so we, we are in the past saying, well, this isn't how it was supposed to be, right? This isn't how it's supposed to be, so I'm not accepting that it is um, what it is. Oh, we're, we're so anchored in the past because we want to go back to how things were, and so we're not able to just be in the present and say, this, this is me right now. This is what it is right now. Instead, we're, we're, we're back in the past wishing things were like they were um, before. Or sometimes our mind gets pulled into the future. And we imagine all the ways um, that things are going to change or, or it's not, this isn't, it is what, it isn't what it is. This isn't what my situation is. And so I'm, I'm forcing myself in the future. And this is, I'm already down that road trying to change it before I've allowed myself to sit in what this is now. Um, so personally, this whole phrase of it is what it is has been kind of freeing because it has forced me to stop. It has forced me to be present. It has forced me to accept situations, at least in the meantime, right? Like in the here and the now, accept situations that I don't really like or prefer, accept situations that are not the way I would like them to be. And to be okay with that. And to allow myself to feel the things that I'm feeling, allow myself to process the things that I'm processing, allow myself to be here in this moment, to be present, not pulling myself into the past and the way I thought things were going to be or should be, or pulling myself in the past to go back to the good old days of how things were, and not to push myself into the future to already jump ahead and claim how things are going to be different or name how something is going to be different or, or already force myself down the road about how I'm going to change it and make it different without truly just acknowledging it is what it is. Again, not in this defeatist, nihilistic approach, but more in this being present, stopping, feeling, 
what this is, the good and the bad, the positive and the negative, the uplifting and joyful, and the ones that bring us down. It is what it is. And I wonder if that can be difficult for some of us. But before that, um, as I was thinking about this phrase, it is what it is, um, I guess I was thinking about it for this, this you know, long-awaited new episode of the John Reiner podcast because months went by with nothing. You know, months went by without sitting down to this microphone. Months went by without putting together another episode. And on one hand, life was really busy and life was hard and life was difficult. I almost actually got on the microphone and did an episode in the midst of having COVID, you know, because I'm at home. Um, and it was before all I could do was just lay on the couch, you know, and tried to breathe. Instead, it was, um, you know, my voice was gone. I don't know if it was from inflammation, uh, if it was from the amount of coughing, you know, the difficulty coughing. I don't know what it was exactly, but uh, my voice, I mean, it sounded like... The John Ryder podcast, and I was gonna do an episode. <laughs> Sorry, I don't, I don't know how that sounded in your, uh, in your stereo, but um, I was gonna do an episode like that, simply called "It Is What It Is." But it is what it is. But I probably would have lost my voice like halfway through it. Um, it was hard and it was difficult, and there was, um, there was this pull like I need to do another one, I need to do another one, uh, I need to do something. This is leaving, and I kind of saw this like you know like this idea, this light just kind of floating away from you and away from you and away from you, and you're like I I have to do something, I have to change it, I have to go back, I have to correct it, I have to make another episode, I have to do this, or I sit here and I say it is what it is, um, it is what it is. I I am needed somewhere else right now, you know. I am needed to be present um, somewhere else right now. There was the busyness of things that were happening. There was the piling on of difficult situations in the fall. Um, there was me in my head, to be honest with you, you know, um, of the course of the last, you know, 10, 11 months, um, there has been an overwhelming amount of positive support for this podcast. And I am so thankful for that. Uh, people have contacted me, people have uh, written to me, people have, uh, you know, messaged me on social media, uh, and let me know that this was actually speaking into the life. It was making a difference. It's so, that is so encouraging, isn't it? But how many of you know that in the midst of an overwhelming amount of positive support, um, it's often the critical voice that we remember the most or, um, you know, the critical feedback or negative feedback or the, the feedback that gets in your head and makes you second guess yourself. That's the stuff that we remember more often, isn't it? And that happened over the last, um, several months, you know, feedback that got stuck in my head about, you know, why am I doing this and motivation and reason and, um, and it got stuck in my head and that's on me. That's on me. And it is what it is. See, this is what I'm saying. There's this freeing ability to say, look, I can't, I can't put responsibility on everyone else for, for why um, things happen in my life the way that they do or why I always react the way that I do. There's this freeing sense of just recognizing it is what it is. I let things get to my head. I let criticism and, um, and uh, negativity get to me. It is what it is. And there comes that moment you sit there and you have to face that and recognize it. 
It is what it is. It is what it is. And there is power in naming it and, and, and calling it what it is. But man, we are getting ahead of ourselves. Okay, so it is what it is. As I was thinking about this phrase, follow me uh, if you can right now. It, this has been a while, right? It's been months. So we're, we're jumping in and you're going to have to follow along. Um, uh, as I was thinking about this phrase, it is what it is. I was brought back to this ancient Near Eastern narrative in the book of Joshua. Yeah, in the book of Joshua. Okay, so to bring you up to speed, um, way back towards the beginning of the book of Genesis, it's the first book of the Old Testament scriptures, uh, the, the the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament Christian Bible, um, however you want to look at it, uh, in the book of Genesis, Genesis 12, Genesis 15, Genesis 17, um, there is this man by the name of Abram, he's later called Abraham. Um, and this man named Abraham comes onto this kind of like agreement contract with God in, in the biblical language was called covenant. He came into this covenant with God and this covenant with God in the midst of, the, you know, all of it is that, you know, this God, this divine made this covenant with Abraham and said, uh, I am going to give you three things. I am going to give you children and so many children, so many descendants, that they will be like the stars in the sky and the sand on the beach. Like that's how many descendants you're going to have. Now, it's good for you to know, Abraham at this time is actually already pretty old, and him and his wife have faced decades of infertility, decades of infertility. Um, and so God is telling Abraham, look, um, not only are you going to have a child, but you're going to have so many descendants that it's going to be like uh, the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Um, and then he says, I'm going to give you a land to call your own. Um, in this ancient Near Eastern world, land was very important. Land was often fought over. Wars were fought. Battles were fought over uh, over land. Um geopolitical lines didn't exist as much. Boundaries were very much more fluid with a lot of these nomadic groups. And he's saying, I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you um, descendants so numerous you can't count them. I'm going to give you a land. Two things that he didn't have, Abram didn't, didn't have. Um, and then he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you a blessing to the nations of the earth. And any of the nations of the earth that bless you, I will bless them. And any of the nations of the earth that curse you, I will curse them. This was this three-part promise, this covenant that God made to Abraham. I will give you descendants, I will give you a land, and I will make you a blessing. And then in one of these kind of really crazy, supernatural, divine human interactions that happen uh, in Genesis 12, 15, and 17, those three chapters, um, at one point, uh, God actually tells Abraham, look, those descendants I told you about, you know, the ones that are going to be so numerous you can't count them. Abraham's still sitting on no kids at this point. He says, look, I'm going to, all of those descendants at one point after you're gone, after you've lived your life, right, after your days are numbered, um, after you go to rest with your fathers of old, um, there will come a time when your descendants are so numerous, but they will go into a land that's not their own. They'll not only be foreigners in that land, but they will be enslaved in that land. 
Yeah, they will be under the authority and the slave master's whip of a different empire, of a different emperor, of a different people. But, God says, um, I will deliver them. I will bring them out of their enslavement. I will bring freedom to them, and I will bring them to the land that I promised you. Now, fast forward hundreds of years later, and you have the book of Exodus, the second book uh, in the Hebrew Scriptures, the second book in the in the Old Testament, uh, to use the Christian uh, verbiage. In the book of Exodus, it starts with the people of Israel, um, those descendants, as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand and sea, this, this giant mass of people uh, is now in Egypt under the enslavement of the Egyptian empire. They are in the land that's not their own. They're being enslaved by the Egyptian people, just like God had told Abraham would happen. It is now happening. Um, and it says in Exodus that God heard the cries of his people. Um, God is going to make good on that promise that he made to Abraham. Now, there's a lot of other theological discussions that you can have in there, debates in there. Well, why did you know? Well, then why was he even in there? Why were they allowed to go through it if you already knew it was going to happen? That's not that's not the point of this episode. Um, instead, the point of this episode is that God he he calls out a man who grew up in um, it seems like in the home of these Egyptian lords and kings and emperors and pharaohs and masters, and his name was Moses. He was a Hebrew who was hidden during a mass genocide and uh, and mass murder of Hebrew children. He was saved. He was brought into the house of Pharaoh. Uh, he was raised there. We get the impression that he was raised in that home, raised in that empire. He was saved uh, in a sense. And then uh, Moses in a fit of rage or whatever you want to call it, he actually rises up, kills one of the Egyptian taskmasters that he sees abusing and uh, um, and and beating one of his you know fellow Israelites, fellow Hebrews, um, and then he runs for it. He runs for it, and he runs out into the desert. <laughs> and and uh, and we're gonna come back to this in a in, a, in another episode um, called "You Got to Go Back." Um, so I'm gonna save that whole storyline for something different. But but God calls Moses to go back to Egypt, and Moses becomes the figure, like he becomes the leader, the spokesperson, the top dog in the process of freeing. Abraham's descendants from the nation that is enslaving them. Here is the part of God's, you know, predicted prophecy, his word, his message to Abraham that he's going to rise up. He's going to hear the cries of his people. He'll rise up and deliver them from their enslavement. This is all going down now, hundreds of years later, and it is Moses who's put in charge of it. And Moses goes before Pharaoh, long story shorter, he goes before Pharaoh and he brings the plagues of Egypt that maybe you've seen and, you know, Charlton Heston's Ten Commandments or Val Kilmer's, you know, the Prince of Egypt, whichever way you want to go. Um, and you have these plagues of, of Egypt. You have this incredible battle between the supernatural and the human, the divine of God and the and the the, the divine of the Egyptians. And, and you have this just this epic 
epic battle being thrown out in Egypt, um, all of it culminating in the people of Israel um, being freed. And they leave under the leadership of Moses. Every time it's Moses, Moses throws down his staff, it becomes a snake. Moses puts his staff over the waters, it becomes blood. Moses goes before Pharaoh and says, let my people go over and over and over and over again. The point I'm trying to make is that Moses is this dynamic central lead figure in the deliverance and freedom of the people enslaved in Egypt. And so after they're freed and after they cross over the river, the sea, they, they, they are in you know, the wilderness and, and decades go by, some good decisions, some bad decisions. Um, all the while, it's this, it's this second part, it's this third part of the promise that God made to Abraham that I will give you a land and your descendants will dwell in it. And Moses has to put up with so much, right? But he continues to do it. He's faithful. He leads the people. He organizes leadership structures. He, he delegates responsibilities. He, he constructs places of worship. He sets everything in order. He meets with God in a very real, tangible, physical way on number of occasions. Moses is this dynamic figure. And it seems like as you're reading the story, that the trajectory of the story, the way that it's supposed to go, hear me out, friends, the way that it's supposed to go is that Moses will eventually go from delivering them from Egypt to taking them into the promised land. That seems like the arc of the story, the trajectory, the direction that they're going in is that eventually we're simply waiting through all these ups and downs and the drama and the, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, is we're just waiting for that moment when Moses, the great leader, deliverer, the spokesperson, right, the head honcho, brings the people of Israel into the promised land. And that is what we're waiting for, except that's not how it happens. Oh, there's a whole lot more drama in there. You can read, uh, you know, the books of Exodus. You could read the book of Numbers. You'll get a much better idea about all the events that take place. Um, that's not what happens. Before the people of Israel even make it there, before they cross over the river, before they go into their promised land, um, God tells Moses, you're not, you're not coming. You know, you've brought them this far, um, but now I'm not going to let you cross the river. I'm not going to let you come with us. And not only that, but then the end of this book called Deuteronomy, um, you know, the storyline of Numbers and Deuteronomy, it ends with Moses dies. And if you're reading this story, or maybe, you know, we try to put ourselves in the in the place of the people who are following along with this story, who are living in it, you know, they're one of the countless numbers of people who have been following Moses' leadership for maybe 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, depending on how long they've been around with him. Decades. Moses has always been the leader. That's how it's supposed to go. That's how it's always been. The direction of the story, the arc of the story, the trajectory of the story is that Moses will bring us into the promised land. That's how it's supposed to go. Stay and stick with the script. And then Moses dies. 
And as the reader, or maybe as the one living through it, I wonder if there's this gut, this guttural reaction of, it's not how it's supposed to be. That's not how it's supposed to happen. That's not the story. That can't be the story. Moses is the one. Moses is the guy. He's going to lead them into that promised land. He's going to be the one because look all the things he's already gone through or, or he was the one called by God or he was the one that saw those miraculous things. He was the one that met with God face to face. He was the one that goes up by the mountain. He's the one that gets the Ten Commandments. He's the one that does all of these things. He should be the one. That's not how the story's supposed to go. That's not our story. I pictured this differently. I imagine it going differently. Are you hearing me? Are you feeling me on this? That's not how the story's supposed to go. But nonetheless, here's Moses dead. And then that brings us to this book called Joshua, the very next book in this narrative. The very next book in this in the storyline, and and it and it starts out this way: um, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses's aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. <laughs> now, um, traditionally speaking, in the, in the Hebrew traditions, in the in the uh, Jewish Hebrew tradition, you have periods of mourning after someone after someone dies. Um, you're supposed to have a funeral as quickly as possible from the, you know, from the time that the person uh, passed away, um, and then there is a, a seven day, a specific seven days of mourning after the death, uh, and then uh, often followed up by an additional twenty three days of an extended longer mourning period. Um, so you know at least like a 30 days of mourning after someone passes away. Um, so I'm guessing at this point, there's already been a time to mourn, right? Moses is dead. There's a time of mourning. And then God comes to Joshua, who was kind of Moses's aide, Moses's assistant, you know, probably was going to be Moses' successor, but, um, you know, we don't like to think of it as that happening yet. That's not how the story is supposed to go. Um, so God comes to Joshua, Moses' aid, and simply says this, Moses, my servant, is dead. And I don't know about you, but when I read that, when I read, Moses is dead. When I read that, um, those words from God to Joshua. All I can think of is this phrase, it is what it is. <laughs> I'm not trying to claim that that's what God uh, is doing here. Um, but that's that's what I hear. Can you hear it? That's what I hear. Hey, okay, Joshua, um, Moses is dead. It is what it is. Like I, I, so right off the top of my head, two things that are so powerful that are happening. Let's try to put this in our, in our own life, right? Um, one, um, there is, there is the calling out, right? 
Moses is dead. It is what it is. I don't know how many of the, you know, the people who are following him, the people who said, no, 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 this is how the story is supposed to go. Moses is supposed to take us into the promised land. How many of them are so just like, I don't know, bewildered, so just kind of, uh, the dots are not connecting. There's there's kind of a fog, right? Like the reality is not matching up with how they thought it was supposed to go. And, and, and so there's this like shaking and, and God comes and he's completely present in the moment. He says, um, I'm going to name this. I'm going to call it what it is. Moses is dead. To anyone who is trying to think, no, 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 no. That can't be true. No, 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 no. This isn't how it's supposed to go. This is, you know, this is all just a hoax. This isn't how it's supposed to go. Um, you know, he's, he's gonna, he's gonna come back, you know, um, we've seen so many miraculous things. This isn't the end of Moses's story. Um, yeah, he's going to come back. We just got to sit tight. We just got to sit tight and wait, um, for things to be the way that we thought that they were going to be. We just need to sit tight and, um, you know, this isn't how it's going to end. Uh, let's just sit here and, uh, it will all get worked out. He's not dead. He's not, I'm not, I'm not claiming that. Oh, shoot. I'm not claiming that. I'm not claiming that. That's not, that's not a part of our story. Moses being dead is not a part of our story. It's got to be something else. There's got to be a different reason for it. There's got to be a different explanation. Uh, he'll come back and he's going to lead us. And, and God doesn't have time for that. God doesn't have time for that. He says, Moses is dead. It is what it is. You have had a time of mourning right? There is a time for mourning. There is a time for mourning that things are not the way that I thought that they were going to be. There's a time for mourning that. Yeah. Live through the mourning. Feel the mourning. Feel the anger. Feel the grief. Feel the sadness. You only feel those things when you allow yourself to be totally present in the moment. God is allowing them to be present and God is calling it what it is. To be present allows us to feel those emotions. This is not where I thought the story was going. This isn't where I thought it was going to be like. This isn't where I thought I was going to be right now in my life. Yeah, let this sink. Fill in the blank for yourself, right? This isn't how I thought the story was going to go. I didn't think I was going to be X years old and single. I didn't think I was going to be going through this difficulty. I didn't think that this was going to be happening to me. I didn't know that this was going to happen. I didn't know that this was going to be a part of my story. I want to say this in broad enough terms so that you can you can fill it in for yourself. I didn't think this is the way it's going to be. I never imagined me struggling with this. This isn't how the story is supposed to go. There's being present in it and being sad over it and being frustrated over it. I, in the last couple of years, the number of times that I have heard someone be raw and real with their emotions, I can think of times specifically over the last couple of years where I witnessed, I was in the same room with someone being real and raw with their emotions. I am, I am struggling with anxiety right now. I have a lot of anxiety right now with everything going on. I have a lot of, I'm feeling some depression right now. 
and the number of times that when someone was present and someone called it what it was and someone was feeling the emotion of it, to have someone else in the room, someone else with the best of intentions, I believe with the best of intentions, someone else look at them and say some version of, no, 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 you're not, let's use anxiety as an, as an example. No, no, no. Anxiety is not a part of your story. I heard this. Anxiety is not a part of your story. Don't claim that. Anxiety is not a part of your story. Don't say that. What? What do you mean it's not a part of their story? What that says to me is, no, 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 no. That's not how it's supposed to go, so don't name it. No, 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 that's not what it's supposed to be, so let's jump to the future and, and try to change it right now. But in the midst of it is a real human being really struggling with the pain and, and, and the confusion and the frustration of their current situation. For them, let's just say it happened to be anxiety. I'm dealing with anxiety. No, you're not. That's not a part of your story. That's not a part of your testimony. That's not a part of your story. What in the world are we telling people? My reaction to it is, no, that is part of their story. That's real for them. They are experiencing anxiety. That is real for them. And they're present with it. And they're calling it what it is. Well, it's something else. It's this, it's that, it's the spirit. It is what it is. It is what it is. Call it what it is. Call it out. Expose it. Name it. Identify it. Maybe it's anxiety. It is what it is. There's no shame in that. Maybe it's depression. I mean, there's a lot for people to be sad and mourn and grieve and feel depressed over for the last two years. It is what it is. Call it what it is. Don't tell people it's not a part of their story. It is a part of their story. It is their story because it's them. Be present. Call it what it is. God says, Moses is dead. It is what it is. He's dead. Maybe you look at your life right now. Maybe it's because of the last two years, or maybe it's just, you know, the span of your life, and you're thinking to yourself, this isn't how I thought it was going to go. This isn't where I thought I would be in my life. I had a different plan. I had a different five-year plan. I had a different 10-year plan. I had a different trajectory. When I laid this all out before, when I wrote this all out, when I, when I made my vision board, when I, when I put my whole plans together, man, my, my life looked different. I had a significant other. I had a spouse. I had kids. I had X amount in my bank account. My job looked like this. I finished school. I had this going for me. When I laid it all out, my life was supposed to look very different. This is not how the story is supposed to go. Moses isn't supposed to be dead. This isn't how my story is supposed to go. I didn't imagine my marriage having difficulty. I didn't imagine tension or struggle. I didn't imagine falling out with friends. I didn't imagine difficulty with children. I didn't, I didn't imagine this. This isn't how I thought it was going to go. This isn't what I imagined with my career. No, 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 no. This isn't a part of my story. This isn't real. I'm not claiming this. This isn't how it goes. And then God comes into our lives in these divine moments and says, Moses is dead. It is what it is. And the only way I think that we can come to terms with that 
is to be present, to feel it, to mourn it because there is a period for mourning, to identify it and call it what it is because your story is not just the good stuff. Someone needs to hear that. Your story is not just the good stuff. So if your story right now or in the last year or, or, or two years or three years or longer, if your story involves difficulty or anxiety or depression or tension in relationships or unstableness in your relationships or, or, or conflict with kids or family, if your story involves the good stuff and the hard stuff, that's because it's still all your story. It is what it is. Be present in it. Acknowledge it. Call it what it is. Feel it. Mourn it if you need to. Oh, feel and rejoice and be glad and be thankful for all the positive stuff as well. I mean, feel that stuff. But I'm talking about the stuff that we wish was different about the story. The parts where we wish Moses was still alive. The parts that we thought were going to go differently. This isn't how I thought this was going to be. This isn't how I thought it was going to go. And then God comes in in that divine moment and says, Moses is dead. It is what it is. But like I said at the beginning, this is not one of those, you know, defeatist, nihilistic approaches that simply says, well, it is what it is. And so now there's nothing else I can do about it. This is what God says after that. He says, Moses is dead. Now then, you and all of these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them. <laughs> I will give you every place where you set your foot, just as I promised Moses. Uh, let this sink. Joshua, Moses is dead. It is what it is. Maybe this isn't how you thought the story was going to go. Maybe this isn't how you wrote it out. Maybe this isn't the arc and the trajectory that you were hoping for. Maybe this isn't what you were looking for. Maybe this isn't what you had planned and dreamed. Maybe this isn't where you want things to be right now. Maybe this isn't where you were wishing or hoping things would be. Maybe this isn't how you thought the story was going to go. Joshua, Moses is dead. Now, the nihilistic, defeatist approach says, well, then it's all done, right? It's all worthless. What does it matter? It sucks. Let's just sit here on this side of the river. Let's forget about everything. Forget about it all. Nothing matters. It's all worthless. It's all meaningless. We'll sit on this side of the river because this isn't how the story is going to go. So I'm just going to sit here, dig in my heels, sit on my butt, and this is how the story ends because this isn't how I thought it was going to go. So then what, what difference is there in trying to change it? What difference is there in going on? What difference is there in trying to make something different of it? This isn't how the story is going to go, and there's only one way the story can go, and it was the way that I planned it was going to go. And so since that's not going to work out, I guess we're not going anywhere. That is one approach, isn't it? And maybe some have been stuck in that approach for a long time. This isn't how I thought the story was going to go, so what difference does it make? It's too late now to change it. There's nothing else that can be done. I bet the house 
on Moses leading us into the promised land, and that's not going to happen. So what difference does it make? I bet my whole life, and I told everyone, and I posted it on social media, and I told everyone how my life was going to go. I had the vision board and the life board, and I put it all out there, and I told everyone how my life was going to be, and I told everyone how my story was going to go, and it's not that way. So what difference does it make? It's too late now. Yeah, Joshua, Moses is dead. Now get up. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Joshua, Moses is dead. Moses is dead. Now get up. Take these people and cross over the river. Go into the land that I promised you. Go into the land that I promised Moses. The story goes on even if it wasn't the one you thought it was. The story goes on even if it's not the way that you thought it was going to go. The story goes on and that is our choice. It is what it is and now what? It is what it is. So now what? Joshua, Moses is dead. It is what it is. So now what are you going to do? Get up. Take the people and lead them on because the story keeps going. The story keeps going and it might have taken a different turn. The trajectory might be different from what you thought it was going to be. This might be a difficult season, but the story goes on. You go on. The promise goes on. Life goes on. Beauty goes on. Your freedom keeps going on. Your deliverance isn't done yet. It's keeping, it's, it's, it's going to keep going on. Your life keeps going on. The story keeps going on. Your freedom keeps going on. Your deliverance keeps going on. It doesn't end here. Yeah, the story might look different than you thought it was going to. Yeah, it may have taken a different turn, a different trajectory, but it's not over yet. Moses is dead. It is what it is. Mourn it. Be present in it. Feel it. Call it what it is. And then get up and keep going because the story isn't over. <laughs> so now there's you, friends, and there's me. I got caught in my head for a while. I got discouraged for a while. It is what it is. Our family faced some difficulty and still does. It is what it is. That's not casting it off. It's not saying, well, whatever. It is what it is. What does it matter? No, that's not defeatist. It's not nihilistic. It's simply being present, feeling it, mourning it, calling it what it is, naming it, and then deciding it is what it is, and now what? And now what? And now there's episode nine. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You can get beaten down. You can get discouraged. You can get in your head. Life might not go the way that you think it is supposed to. You might battle with the anxiety, and someone might tell you that's not part of your story. No, it is part of my story. It is a part of my story, but my story keeps going on. 
You might be depressed. This is a part of my story. Yes, it is a part of your story, but now what? It keeps going on. Life keeps going on. Now what will you do? This isn't where I thought it was going to be in my life. Maybe it's not. Recognize it. Mourn it if you need to. Call it what it is. Be present in it. Don't deny it. Grieve it if you must. And then what? Then you go on because the story goes on, because the promise goes on, because life goes on, because beauty goes on, because your freedom goes on, because your deliverance goes on, because it all keeps going going on and on and on. And the story might not be the way that you thought. Moses is dead, but the story isn't over. So Joshua, get up and lead these people into the land that I promised. Keep going. (laughs) So friends, on this episode nine, it is what it is. Next time you hear that phrase, think of it differently. Look at your life, and maybe there are things in your life that this isn't the way I thought it was going to go. I'm not supposed to... I'm not supposed to struggle with this. I'm not supposed to struggle with anxiety. I'm not supposed to struggle with depression. I'm not supposed to be in my head. I'm not supposed to be discouraged. My marriage isn't supposed to have difficulty. My marriage isn't supposed to have problems. Uh, My kids and my family, we're not supposed to be having a hard time. Illness isn't supposed to affect us. Difficulty isn't supposed to affect us. We're not supposed to be going through this. Um, My career isn't supposed to be where it is right? Fill in the blank with whatever it is for you, but this isn't how the story is supposed to go. Moses isn't supposed to be dead. Call it what it is. Be honest. Be raw. Find people that you can be honest and raw with. It is what it is, and I'm hurting. It is what it is, and it's hard. It is what it is, and it's been difficult. It is what it is, and it's been a struggle. It is what it is. And I've mourned it and I've called it what it is and I've been present in it. But now the story must go on. What's your next step, friends? What's your next thing? Moses is dead. Now, Joshua, get up. Get up. That's your next thing. Get up. Take these people and go into the land that I promised you. What is your next step? Be present. Call it what it is. It is what it is. Recognize it. Call it for what it is. And then get up. And go. And keep going. And keep going. Because the story isn't over. Your story isn't over. It is what it is. And now what, friends? It is what it is. And now what? (laughs) May you find the now what? May you find a new way of saying it is what it is. It is what it is, but it's not over. It is what it is, and I've felt it, and I've grieved it, and I've mourned it. It is what it is, and I've called it what it is, and I've been present in it, but my story keeps going on. The story keeps going on. Life keeps going on. Freedom keeps going on. Deliverance keeps going on. Um, it all keeps going on. This isn't how I thought it was going to go. I didn't, I didn't know this was going to happen, but it is what it is. And now what? Friends, thank you for letting me be a part of your life. Thank you uh, for being a part of this John Reiner podcast. And may you be present. Call it what it is. It is what it is. Feel it, grieve it, celebrate it, laugh in it. And then ask yourself, what next? It is what it is. And what next? It is what it is. And now what? All right. Thank you, friends. 
This is episode nine. It is what it is. And I'll see you next time.